to wonder. Welcome to the Money Better Podcast, brought to you by Union Bank and Trust in Lincoln, Nebraska. Get ready for an authentic conversation about how to do money better by making financial decisions that are right for you. Money doesn't have to be a scary topic anymore. Instead, let's get real about the lessons others have learned, then find ways to use those experiences to get it right. I'm your host, Caitlin Moore. Let's chat. All right, we're back, everyone, with Jacob Williams and Jason Gieselman, who own Ink Alley here in Lincoln, Nebraska. We also have Patrick Reese co-hosting with us today. So let's just start out with Jacob and Jason. Will you just tell us about who you are, what is your business, and how old were you when you started it? Sure. We were 27 years old. I think Jason was as well. He's about a month behind me, but we were 27 when we started the business. Um, And what we do um, is basically custom-printed T-shirts apparel, promotional products, um, graphic design services. So um, we just celebrated a couple months ago, our five-year anniversary. So um, we're still relatively new business. Um, Both Jason and myself had uh, a little bit of experience in uh, kind of the industry that we're in um, from previous employment. Um, So we decided to make the leap, uh, like I said, a little over five years ago. And it's... uh, it's, it's definitely been one of the most rewarding things. I think I can speak for both Jason and myself. One of the most rewarding things that, uh, that we've done. Yeah, absolutely. So how did so, you guys get started? I would love to know that. You're 27, relatively young. Did you know that you wanted to go into business? I think that Jacob and I both always wanted to work for ourselves. Both very incentive-driven. Um, you know, something we used to say is we'd rather work 60 hours a week for ourselves than 40 hours a week for someone else. <laughs> and that really... Anytime we were doing something we didn't enjoy doing, we just told ourselves that, you know, we're doing this for ourselves. Yeah. And then just with our backgrounds, I had a background in design. Jacob had a background in print sales. His degree was business. Mine was advertising public relations. So um, we complement each other really well. And we just felt like at that point in our lives, it was a good time to take the leap if we were ever going to do it. So how did you, how did you guys meet? Was it- We actually didn't go to college together. Um, we, I, I'm from originally from Seward, Nebraska, and Jason's from Malcolm. Uh, so we're both from pretty close to Lincoln. So I think originally met in high school and then we, we had a a few overlapping friends and kind of ran around in the same friend circle in college. So, um, we became close friends, uh, in college and post-college for me, uh, Jason actually went to UNL after I did, um, after he finished up a visual publications, uh, degree at Southeast community college. So, um, yeah, we, we really became really good friends, uh, probably more so after college. And um, Jason touched on it before, uh, you know, I was aware of, of his skills in the graphic design area, which is an area that is obviously essential to the business that we run. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something that I don't do at all. I, I don't work in, in that space at all. I feel like I've yeah. got a pretty good eye for design, but the technical aspects and the software I've never touched. So mm-hmm. uh, it was kind of a nice uh, collaborative kind of yin and yang situation where he brought a lot to the table that I didn't had a lot of strengths where I had weaknesses and and vice versa. So, um, you know, this whole Ink Alley was kind of born out of a couple conversations. But, you know, when we really got down to it, we realized it would be a kind of symbiotic type duo um, and we could uh, make a go of it. Wow, that's awesome. 
Yeah, we yeah, haven't interviewed we, friends yet. Yeah. We interviewed yeah. a married couple. Um, yeah. But friends, I mean, how do you maintain a strong friendship while doing business together? I think that, and this is probably more common than, than we realize, but post-graduation, post-college, I think people gravitate towards people that they want to be like and people that they want to surround themselves with moving forward. And I think Jacob and I saw that in each other. We both had a vision you know, for owning our own company at some point and, and everything just aligned. Like we've kind of touched on multiple times already. We compliment each other, um, cover each other's blind spots, but we've always shared a unified vision for the business. So I think that's how we're able to remain friends and do this is because we're friends because we have the same mindset and the same vision. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that there are times when Jacob and I don't see eye to eye and I'm sure as much as we're around each other, we get under each other's skin. But at the end of the day, we both know that we want the same thing. And we both know that when we do have disagreements, it's because what one of us believes is what we truly believe is best for the business. Mm-hmm. So I think as long, I mean, it's easy for people to have thin skin and take things personally, but I think Jacob and I are really good at both just really focusing on what's good for the business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's never affected our, our personal relationship, it, at least on my end. I can't speak for Jacob, but Same. I trust him more than anyone, especially when it comes to running the business. So even if we don't see eye to eye, I don't take it personally. It's really interesting, guys, because I, when, you know, I was getting out of college, you know, um, I had a few friends that went into business and I was a part of that as well, too. And we ended up walking away from it because we wanted to save the friendship because we did have those disagreements. But it seems to me that not only has your business kind of started to take off. I mean, congratulations on five year anniversary, guys. That's awesome. But not only is your business growing, but your friendship seems to get gets deeper and stronger as you move forward with the business. Is that is that fair to say that as the business has continued to grow, your friendship has been solidified over time, even even more than it was before? Yeah, I, I would definitely say so. And obviously, like Jason mentioned earlier, you spend so much time. Sometimes we're here you know, 60 hours a week. So when you spend that much time with somebody, you're either going to love them or you're going to hate them. So, you know, we've really got no choice. I guess at this point, we're too deep into this business where, (laughs) you know, we've got to choose the love route. So we've really got this common connection here where we want to make this business and this workplace all that it can be and all that we envisioned in the beginning. That's really cool, guys. Thank you. Yeah, we we haven't heard that, that perspective. And I think, Going leading into my next question, I think that it could definitely be a factor, the whole working with friends. But I do want to ask you what adversity or challenges you have faced, especially in the beginning. You know, we we probably haven't faced a ton of adversity in the grand scheme of things. You know, the the industry that we're in has pretty low barriers to entry, which is a good thing and a bad thing. You know, when you're younger, and I look back in 27 seems like forever ago. But at the time, you know, I was still young. Um, But when you start your own business, I have, and I don't know if it's just my personality, but you may have a tendency to think that every little thing that happens that might, you know, show a hint of adversity is this huge mountain that you've got to overcome. Mm -hmm. Uh, One thing that, that we did have in the beginning was we had uh, chosen a name. We chose the name Inkwell Print and Design. And uh, we, I, we had purchased a website, we had purchased email addresses. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we probably purchased business cards. So we were really set on that in the very beginning. And mm-hmm. we come to find out we go uh, file it with the Secretary of State. And they tell us that, you know, there's another company up in Omaha with a very similar name that we would have to get uh, 
you know, their um, blessing to use the name. Uh, he didn't want to give us that blessing. So I remember at the time, very specifically, I was like, holy moly, this is, this is bad. And looking back, I can just laugh at it because it was such a, you know, minuscule problem that we had. Um, and we ended up coming on coming upon a name uh, that I, I actually like a ton better. And like I said, I don't know if it's a personality trait of mine, but especially in the beginning when it's, you know, your money on the line and your career and, you know, you've got more stake, uh, more of a stake in the game because it's your business or you perceive that you do. Um, I think at those times in the beginning, it can be very stressful. You know, Jason was actually in the beginning, I, I feel like he's more of a cool character than me as far as like keeping a level head in situations like that. So just having him there and, uh, you know, having his advice in, in that in those situations you know, it, it calmed me down a little bit and let me take a step back and realize that, you know, stuff like that isn't the end of the world. Mm -hmm. And from a business standpoint, you know, we went into an industry that's been around forever. So there's already tried and true, true processes, right? So mm -hmm. Jacob and I, for us, I think the challenges were learning those processes. We didn't want to bite off more than we could chew. We didn't, I mean, we had a big picture, obviously, but it was like, we got to figure out how to do this thing well. Right. We need to figure out how to print shirts. Well, we need to figure out how to handle client relationships. Well, we need to, you know what I'm saying? So when we focus on all of those little processes that are part of the big picture, I don't think we really had a ton of like big roadblocks or big obstacles because we were just focusing on doing all the little things right along the way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you guys mentioned when we've talked before about just starting off small and not having everything all at once. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Above everything else, that was Jason and I's big focus in the beginning was, you know, we, we were bankrolling this just off of savings. And, and we, you know, at the time, you know, we're 27 years old, we didn't have a ton of money, but we had enough to get this started. So I think at the front forefront of our minds uh, throughout everything, whether it was year one or year five, um, we always uh, wanted to be like fiscally conservative with equipment, employees, lease spaces, purchases, really anything in regards to the business. We always wanted to, if we could, have, have the work already in hand before we really went and made a big purchase. So were you guys always on the same page about that too? Yeah, I would say so. I was just going to touch on that too, that I think that Jacob and I were really good at asking ourselves, what do we need to do to be successful? And right out the gate, it's, well, we need clients. And we had our target sales goals for the first year. We need clients. We need to be able to provide quality products. And so what tools do we need to be able to do that? So again, we bought industry-grade entry-level equipment, and we spent our time learning how to print good quality shirts and then how to manage client expectations and then as we got more comfortable and more efficient in those things, we were able to grow by hiring more employees, by, you know, buying bigger and better equipment, things like that. Yeah, no. And you guys just recently moved into a new building, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've, we've actually moved uh, twice now. So the first lease space that we had, they, they actually our name derives from it. So our entrance was in an alley. So hence Ink Alley. So nice. um, yeah, we had a, about 1200 square feet in an alley on 13th and P downtown. Um, I think going into uh, the, or starting the business, Jason and I always wanted to be 
a part of the downtown business community. Mm-hmm. You know, we saw a lot of other businesses that we really loved for whatever reason. And um, a lot of them were downtown and we always just kind of fancied ourselves as uh, one of those businesses and we wanted to work with those businesses. Mm-hmm. So we got like the most non-discreet place that we could. It was an old storage unit for a sporting goods store. And the lease was like 400 or $500 a month. And uh, so we were there for a couple of years. Then we moved um, to about a 3,600 square foot facility. Um, and then we quickly outgrew that space. And um, we just recently purchased a building just around the corner. So we're still a downtown business. We're on between 10th and 11th and M Street. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, we're in a bigger space. We purchased this space. So really any upgrades that we're, we're doing, you know, they're not just, you know, money in, in the um, building owner's pocket and our landlord's pocket. So we really saw an opportunity here to get, you know, a, I hate the term, but a forever home mm-hmm. for our business and uh, stay downtown and, and keep the central location that's worked so well for all of our clients and for us. And uh, we're really excited about it. Yeah. Nice. And to that point, had we bought this building right off the bat and bought the equipment we have now, we would have likely gone out of business in three months. Oh man! I mean, we've really built the business to be able to be in the place we're in now. And I think that's important for aspiring entrepreneurs to know too is, mm-hmm. you know, if you want it five years from now, it might take five years to get it. You can't get it tonight mm-hmm. and yeah. then hopefully still be able to pay the bills and then in five years be where your target goal is. Mm-hmm. It, there's nothing wrong with working up to it. It just, it seems to me guys, I mean, you guys are living the, like the, the exact story of like the tortoise and the hare, you know, like the slow and steady wins the race. And like, you don't <laughs> want to go out and just run really fast because you end up losing and everything like that. I know it's really clear, kind of, I don't know why that story popped in my head, but when you guys are talking, but that I, I think that's really true. And you guys are giving some really sound, solid advice mm-hmm it's okay to, to slow down and take it one step of a time and, and just kind of slowly build your business over time. Because like you said, you come right out of the gate swinging. I mean, you're out of business, you know, mm-hmm. three, four months because you spent way too much money on whatever it is, yep. you know? And, and I, I think that it's a very, like, everybody talks about it, but it's kind of uh, an immediate gratification society with the proliferation of social media and, and everything else. But yeah, I think that we're a testament to that, that tortoise and the hare uh, philosophy where um, we were very patient in the beginning and, and we knew that we were going to have to be patient and we were both fine with that. So mm-hmm. I think that the biggest thing was that we just always kept open lines of communication, had a very clear understanding of where we wanted to be, but how we needed to start to be successful. Mm -hmm. So it's always worked for us because of those open lines of communication and really being on the same page. This may be a really silly question, but did somebody teach you this or did you both just have like minds that came together and made it work? I'm I'm wondering that too. (laughs) Google, the internet. (laughs) (laughs) it's not it's not a millennial mentality at all yep Yep. Um, the millennial mentality is definitely to chase your dream and your passion but at what speed is yeah we're not defined by that so I'm just curious where did you learn to just sit back and just take it as it comes I I don't want to say that either Jason or I have overbearing personalities that we like really you know shoved it down the other one's throat because that's not the case at all and maybe (laughs) we just got lucky I think that um 
You know, in the beginning, and this is not every entrepreneur or everybody that starts a business, we could afford to be small and to grow organically because at the time, you know, we didn't have really any responsibilities outside of this. Mm. You know, Jason has a fiance. Now I have a girlfriend um, and we're older. We didn't have families to support. You know, we, mm. we were really kind of bootstrapping this thing and we could afford to be small and take, you know, a small draw from the business every month because, you know, we had just, you know, one bedroom apartments and we didn't have a ton of financial responsibility at that point uh, to meet. So that's not for everybody. Mm -hmm. And, and I always, I, I talk to a lot of people that are starting a business that are in, um, I don't want to call them more precarious situations, but they have a lot more financial responsibility on their plate than what we did when we started. Mm -hmm. So I think that any advice that I would have to, uh, you know, someone coming out of college or somebody younger is to just use that as an asset instead of like an, mm -hmm. a liability, at that point, you have to realize where you're at in the moment. And uh, I think that's what we've done from day one. We didn't feel like we were doing it slow. Um, we felt like we were doing it right. And we felt like if we do it right, if we can figure out how to do it right now, then we can grow. But until we can do it right, until we have proof of concept, we're not going to go anywhere. So for us, it was more just we do a small investment to prove to ourselves that we can do it, to build a client base. And then we can start ramping it up. I, at least that was my mindset. My mindset wasn't let's go slow necessarily but it was let's do it right exactly so was going slow profitable for you yes uh the very first month that we were in business we were profitable which is not what i expected but we mm -hmm. uh i, I want to say we were lucky uh we worked really really hard in the beginning to um kind of form relationships that have kind of been the foundation for our business going forward and just that that success right off the bat i think was really big for us because it proved to us that, okay, we realize our expenses are really low and, and they're going to get bigger as we get bigger, but we realize that we've got the proof of concept and that we can get this done. That's not going to be the case for every entrepreneur at all. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, I would say the majority probably aren't going to be profitable for a couple months, a couple of years even. But, yeah. uh, and I think that a lot of it is kind of the nature of our industry and the nature of where we came from. Both Jason and myself had experience in the industry, especially myself. I knew kind of the, the people that I wanted to reach out to and let them know, create that awareness that we were starting this, that mm -hmm. if they had a project that they could reach out, that we'd love to take care of them. So I think that was really big off the bat was knowing who to reach out to because we had both been in the business and, and known kind of those avenues. So I think that was big for our initial success, but yeah, uh, that's not going to be the case for every entrepreneur, but it's, you, you definitely should strive for it, I think. So um, five years in, here we are. You guys got a bigger space. You're growing. You're going to bring a lot of stuff in. What's the future look like for you guys? What, where, where, where are we going from here? I think a lot of the, the things that we're focused on now are um, kind of culture-oriented or workplace-oriented, where we have the new space. We're going to be able to make it our own. Now we really want to make this place uh, a place where employees love working. And I know that everybody can spout on for, about culture all the time, mm -hmm. but I think it is really the most important thing we've got on our plate now, um, just because we've had a ton of growth, a ton of organic growth for the first five years. 
Um, and, and, and that's definitely not stopping. In fact, this year, uh, I think we'll probably shatter our sales goal and uh, eclipse last year, which was our less, our best year ever. But I think that wow. a lot of the stuff that Jason and I want to do moving forward is really culture oriented, is really about making this place um, a great, great place to work. And I think that's just a testament to where we are when we started out. It was just Jacob and I. And then we hired a production manager. And then we brought on some assistants. But now we're to the point where we have six employees. We're looking to hire a seventh. And culture is really important once you get to, you know, this size and obviously anything larger than that. So I, I completely agree. And obviously we're always trying to dial in our efficiencies. The bigger we get, the more efficient we need to become in order to maintain our, you know, the profit margins we want to hit. Man, I, I absolutely love that. I think, you know, especially, especially as you, as you start to grow in the position that you guys are in, culture is a very, very, very big deal, especially for employees. I mean, they want to feel that they're working in a place that they love coming to work and they love being around the people um, at work, around you two, around all the other employees and everything. And as you get bigger, it's just one of those things that I think, is sometimes maybe missed at some point along the line with with some entrepreneurs. You guys said it earlier. It, you don't you don't want to do it slow. You want to do it right. And I think this is this is this is the right way. So when are you guys write when are you guys writing the book? I'd love to read it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't read enough books as is. You know, with the busy schedule that that I have here, so I surely am not going to start to write one anytime soon. Uh, but yeah, it might be a collaborative effort. And just to kind of piggyback on that, you know, as much as like having employees be like having them has created such a, a great experience for myself and Jason, just because they take so much off our plate. The team that we have here is amazing. And I don't think we could ask for a better team. Um, but, you know, the the kind of agreement, traditional agreement of employer employee, I think, over the last, you know, half decade, decade has kind of been shattered. And I think that it's, it's extremely important for employees to know that they do work for you, but you also work for them to create an environment that's, uh, you know, great for them to be a part of. And uh, I think that that kind of gets lost on a lot of uh, people that start a business because, you know, money is very important and having that financial stable stability is important. It's it doesn't take a backseat to a lot of things, but um, it can and, and should in some instances, I think, um, because without our employees and, and without uh, what we've built and what they've built, you know, we're, we're not a viable business and there's not many viable businesses without good employees. So, yeah, that's I, I think that's very important. I think back to the first employee we hired, he had a wife and a young daughter. And so, you know, Jacob and I are like are we really to the point that we need to bring someone on? Will we be able to afford bringing them on? He has a family he has to provide for. So are we going to be able to get him paychecks so he can keep a roof over him and his family's head? So, you know, maybe it's unique that Jacob and I started from the ground up and him and I did all of the production. We understand it's not a glamorous thing to do. They can get redundant at times. So we like to show that we appreciate what the guys are doing, what the team's doing. So maybe we're unique in that regard, but I think Jacob and I, we really do try to look out for, you know, the team and have them in mind and it isn't just what's best for the bottom dollar. These people are all replaceable because they're not, and they have families and they have bills to pay. So I think that we just try to stay grounded and look at it that way as well. Can I come work wow. for you guys? <laughs> Any, anytime. Come, send us your resume. <laughs> uh, you guys have offered a lot of 
suggestions for business owners and I appreciate that, but is there any other advice that you would um, have for young people that are considering starting business? And when I say young, I mean, college age, fresh out of college, around the age that you were when you started Ink Alley. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, to, and to dial in on just one is tough, but I think that uh, like if, if you have a sound idea or if you've got a sound business plan um, and, and you're kind of on the fence, I think that it's important for people to try and to know that they tried and, and to give it a shot. I would encourage people, especially at that age where, like I touched on in the beginning, where you don't have a lot of other responsibilities. It sounds cliche, but uh, I feel like if, if you've got a good idea, you believe in your idea, others believe in your idea or your concept. I, I feel like that's it's not so much a piece of advice, but more of like how I have always kind of looked at things because I would have hated to look back 10 years and have been like, oh, dang, why didn't I do that? Now I'm stuck in a job that maybe I don't really love. So know your numbers. You know, if you're looking to start something, you might have a great idea, but if you have no one to sell it to, you're not going to be successful and vice versa. There might be a market out there that doesn't need your specific idea, but if you tweaked it a little bit, you might have a huge market out there waiting for you. So they know your numbers, know your market, uh, smart goals, have goals, right? Have specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, time-based goals. Mm-hmm. So I think that's important too. A lot of people, they have a big picture, but you really need to like have goals. And then whether you hit those or not, know maybe why you hit them, why you didn't hit them, what you can do better, what you're doing well, and how to focus on that and maybe market your, your idea towards your strengths. To close us out, can you tell us where anyone can find Ink Alley? So our, our web address is inkalleyshirts.com. Um, you can find us on really any social media platform at Ink Alley. Feel free to stop by if you're interested in what we do or, or just want a, a little uh, shop tour. We're glad to give them. And like I mentioned earlier, we're just downtown um, on M Street between 10th and 11th. We, we love visitors. So we encourage people to come by and, and see us or check us out on social media. Well, thank you guys. This has been a joy to talk to you and get to know you guys a little bit better. You guys are doing business. i I feel like in our interviews, a very different way. And I appreciate that you're bringing something different to the table. And I just appreciate that, um, that you're willing to share with us. So thank you, Jacob and Jason and Patrick for being with us once again. Thank you so much for having us on. In each Money Better episode, we highlight a community partner that is doing money better. Whether it is a nonprofit, a customer, or an expert in the field, our goal is to learn from their strengths and introduce you to resources that can help you do money better too. Featuring these people and organizations through our podcast is just a small part of UBT's larger mission to elevate the communities we serve. All right, we are back with our community partner segment for our small business podcast. I'm here again with Patrick Reese to co-host. We are here with Stacia Thiessen. She's been with UBT as a business banker for about five years, and she is our expert on small business banking. So thank you, Stacia, for being with us. Hello. Nice to be here. So we're going to do things a little bit different today because I get a lot of questions when I'm in the community teaching the financial literacy or doing financial coaching. I get a lot of questions about small business banking. We've got entrepreneurs coming out of college, um, they're early 20s, and they want to start a business 
and they've got really good ideas, but there's a lot that goes into that, not just a good idea. So I've got a ton of questions I want to ask you today, but let's just start with kind of a rapid fire question time. So let us begin. The number one question I get from entrepreneurs is when is a good time to start a business account? What I would say is when you are going to start receiving payments, that is when you need to have your business account because you don't want your business funds to commingle with your personal funds. You want to keep them separate. Okay, perfect. And I guess that goes right into another question that I get. Does your personal credit and your personal finances affect your business, whether it's to start a business or start business account, does your personal finances affect that at all? Not to start a business. No, but when you need, let's say a line of credit, commercial credit card, any type of those accounts, we do pull a credit report. It's full. It doesn't hurt your um, numbers. Um, look at how historically you handle your credit personally, mm-hmm. and that will give us an indication how you'll handle your business credit. At Union Bank, our minimum credit score that we look at um, for our requirements is 650. So if you are below 650, you are a new business, you will not meet our requirement because you don't have historical financials to show that you can cash flow that your business can pay for it. So I had a customer come in, he was a new plumber, he just went on his own started his own company, he needed some equipment, he came in his business was you know, picking up, but unfortunately I could not help him. So Mm -hmm. what he did was he went out and got a national credit card, put payments on that, paid it off monthly. And after a year, he got up to what I could help him with in regards to a line of credit for his business. To answer the question, yes. So we look at your personal credit score. Again, it shows us personally how you can handle your credits. Therefore, it'll show us how you can handle your business credit. One of the things that down here at the university, we get all the time, you know, as students start to get close to that graduation or they graduated and now they have an idea or something they really want to pursue and they don't really want to go and get a job job. They want to start their own business, start their own company and start moving forward on their own, which is admirable. But one of the things is, you know, where do I start? Well, I would suggest one, get it down on paper, business plan. We want to know the roadmap that's inside your brain. We want to see it down and we want to see how you're going to execute it. Um, To go back on personal finances, we do take a look at cash reserves. So if Mm. someone comes in with absolutely no savings accounts and wants $10,000 from the bank, you're asking the bank to make that risk and invest in you. We want to see also what kind of money have you saved to invest in yourself. So a lot of times, you know, I'll talk to college kids or, um, you know, even adults who want to take the risk and start their own business where they either get a full-time job to help with that cash reserves, start that savings account, start building up your financials strong enough that you do have a down payment if required, but also to show the bank, you know, I have this money on reserves so I can pay this till my business can pay it. So a lot of times I would start with cash reserves, like make sure you have, you know, you may not do the job you are wanting to do, but it's going to get you to the end part of the business that you want to be doing, like your passion, but you have to kind of get through it to get to the end goal. And so the second step that I tell people to go pull your credit, um, I believe it's called annualcreditreport.com. You can go pull your credit report, get an idea of your score. Um, A lot of issues that we have with college students, they, you know, they're, new to the scene. So they open up credit cards and they may not pay it on time. So you really got to know where your credit score is um, and start paying those cards down if that's the issue to get your score back up. If not, the other extreme is that they're very you know, protective of their credit. Therefore, they haven't opened a credit card mm-hmm. and they don't have a score. Mm-hmm. 
So therefore you need to start opening one up, put your gas on there every month, pay it off every month, you know, just start building up your credit. So it's either one extreme to the other. So you really got to understand where you fall on that spectrum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we, we just did an episode about credit and just this idea of even establishing credit with paying your bills on time, your utility yeah. bills or your phone bill or something like that. You don't even have to have a credit card to establish strong, healthy credit. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You just need to make sure you're paying on time every time when it comes to your bills, which is a great idea or a secured credit card is a great route to go too. Yes. If mm-hmm. you're just starting out. How often do you see that where people think that they need a loan or a line of credit initially to start the business when in fact they probably really don't. A lot of people feel like um, they need that to make their business more reputable. Like they Mm. have a credit card or they have a line of credit. In reality, your business credit doesn't get turned into the bureau. Like there's no record of that. It's under your business name. It stays in the bank. In actuality, no, you do not need your business to have any type of funding if it does not need it. And I think that should be the ultimate goal, honestly. Mm. If you can start your business with no debt, And then in four years, your business grows to a point where, you know, you need that piece of equipment, you need that vehicle, you have that four years relationship with the bank, the bank sees you as a business customer, how you managed your checking account, and that helps get you approved, because we can look back and say, Oh, you've handled your checking account, you know, really well, it's never Mm -hmm. been overdrawn, you, you're a strong bar, you're a strong business owner, and we may have issues, let's say with collateral, or with their personal credit, but having that relationship with the bank for that many years, or even a year, it helps us mitigate the risk of giving you that money. I'm really glad you brought that up, Patrick and Stacia. That was a great answer because with Ink Alley, our small business that's on this podcast, they went into their business um, without taking out credit. And that was really, mm-hmm. that's been the message of Ink Alley and Cardinal and Pine and, and some of the other small businesses we've interviewed is they said, don't think too far ahead, like one step mm-hmm. at a time. You don't have to overdo it at the beginning. You need to know that there's going to be revenue coming in and that your product is going to sell right. prior to dumping all this loaned money into your business. So I'm right. glad you said that from a, from a banking perspective of, the relationship is often more important at the beginning than having this extra line of credit you don't necessarily need. And that has just been the message all down the line with all of our small business interviews, which has been great to hear. People who have been successful, even at a young age, were the ones that said, I use my cash reserves and I just mm-hmm. parked these really great ideas until we could afford to do so, until right. it was worth doing it. That shows the bank also that you have such passion for what you're doing. You're investing in yourself. Mm -hmm. So you should, we should invest with you too. When it comes to accounts that are available, what are typical small business accounts or products that are available? So I typically deal with line of credits um, to help with cash flow. So a lot of businesses, once they start going, once they start adding employees, they like to have that line of credit kind of like a safety blanket Mm. where if there is a tight month, they can go into that letter and help with payroll or utilities or anything like that till a receivable comes in and they have those, that income kind of helps them sleep at night um, Mm -hmm. that their employees will be paid. So that's huge. That's, we deal with that a lot. Vehicle loans that they want to buy under their business name. That's big too, especially with construction, electricians, plumbers, things like that. Commercial credit cards where they just kind of want that credit card when they need it, especially if they have multiple employees. 
they'll give each employee a credit card for gas and Mm -hmm. things like that. Um, We do deal with commercial real estate to a point. Um, Small business department, we handle 500,000 and lower. After that, it goes up to the commercial loan officers. Mm -hmm. Another question I get on a regular basis is how do I get an EIN number, which is Mm -hmm. your business number, basically? How does does somebody go about getting that? They would go to the Secretary of State website. They have all the forms, all the information. That's where I tell a lot of people to start with. And then my next advice to any business owner is get an accountant. Um, They will advise you how you should be filing, how um, just the risk of what you're doing kind of make them more comfortable in regards to keeping track of their income, expenses, things like that. So they know what to turn in quarterly, yearly, whatever the case may be um, for their taxes. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the Secretary of State website has great information. Okay. And, they and their a- secretary of state will be able to help with whether they should be an LLC or a sole proprietorship, things like that. Right. Well, they have the forms and they have like the, um, frequently asked questions okay. to kind of help out. They would refer them also to an accountant. They're not giving the advice of what you should okay. be filing as you're starting a business. I would sit down with an accountant. It would be my number one thing, yeah. a banker. And if you need a lawyer, those mm-hmm. are the three people you would really need on your team. The big three, huh? The big three. The big three. Well, and I just want to clarify real quick. When you say Secretary of State, that's Secretary of State of Nebraska, right? State Secretary of State. Okay, just wanted to clarify for our listeners out there. Okay, so another big question. How does one calculate profit? The easiest thing I always say is take your gross receipts minus all your expenses, and then your net income is your profit. For that month, I would do it monthly. I would not do it quarterly when you start out with because you need to start getting used to um, documenting, especially your expenses and seeing how it changes and fluctuates month over month. Mm-hmm. Excel has a, I mean, if you're in Excel, they you can put in formulas that automatically calculates it for you. QuickBooks is a good um, software that people will download and use that you just put in your expenses and automatically calculates what your net income is for that month. But really it's just your sales, Minus what it costs to get those sales is what you end up with is your net income. Perfect. So yeah. not a, easier not said a, than done. Not a calculus equation, huh? That's, no. That seems, that seems <laughs> far more simple. <laughs> <laughs> to close, I just want to ask, is there any common questions that you're hearing from folks as they come into your office to start business accounts? Um, one thing that we did not touch on that a lot of people will ask me is, is collateral. So when they come in for a loan, um, either a line of credit or just the regular term loan, we do ask about their collateral status. One, it helps negate the risk for Union Bank. It also helps them on the rate. Um, they get a lower rate if we do have it secured. You know, a lot of younger people may have a car they could put up for collateral. Um, some people have brought in parents as co-signers um, to use their home as mm-hmm. a collateral or their car or their cash reserves, we can put in a CD. We covered a lot today. And I think that's the only thing that really was untouched um, was just the collateral and how do I help with my loan requests, you know, mitigating the risk for Union Bank. And when we say collateral, to be clear, it's something to back the loan up. So if something goes wrong with the loan, yeah, then the risk is within that collateral. It's with that, then that car, it's within the co-signer to pay it. It's within the house, yes. something mm-hmm. like that's to back the loan. Yep, exactly. Mm-hmm. And is that always necessary for a, a business account if you're getting a line of credit or a loan that there is collateral attached to it? No, it's not always necessary. Um, again, it would go back to the kind of relationship we've had with the business. 
or the individual. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're more familiar with them. If it was someone who called me up today and has a startup with no historical financials and they wanted a $50,000 line of credit with no collateral, it would be really difficult for me to get that approved through the underwriter Mm -hmm. unless they have cash reserves, um, unless they have a strong credit or they would still need to show some type of investment in themselves, like putting something down or putting something up for collateral. You know, the equipment that they're asking for could be good collateral. So it does work Mm -hmm. out where what you're buying, we will take, you know, the lien on that collateral. So in case anything Mm -hmm. happens, we can go and liquidate that equipment down the debt. So if somebody needed some farm equipment, that is, that's their collateral. They don't need, they don't need other things. Okay. Well, Stacia, I've learned a ton. I'm sure Patrick has too. So thank you so much for your time and being on Money Better today. Thank you guys. It was fun. Union Bank and Trust financial literacy materials, articles, guides, blogs, podcasts, and videos are for informational purposes only and not an advertisement for product or service. The accuracy and completeness is not guaranteed and does not constitute legal or tax advice. Please consult with your own tax, legal, and financial advisors. Member FDIC.